Hi everybody, this is Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 41. Yes. Another another big one, Dan? I, no, no. <laughs> Not like <laughs> last time. <laughs> I don't think we have a lot to rant about, so we should be fine. Um, <laughs> t- Alright, tonight we're talking about Blackest Night Wonder Woman 2, uh, Blackest Night JSA 1, and Teen Titans... 77 and 78. Now, be- before we actually get into them, did you notice the, um, I'm just looking at this now and I remembered, did you notice the, uh, like, the little continuation going on here? Uh, as far as... Writers. Because Blackest Night JSA is by James Robinson, who did oh, the, yes. the, yes. the three issue of, of Superman, and it's kind of continuing off of that story. Yes. And the Teen Titans issues are by uh, J.T. Krull, who did the Titans three-issue miniseries. Oh. I didn't realize that. Yeah, after the fact, I like looked back to just see who did up the whole issue, and I'm like, oh, this artist says, hey, Krull. Um, and the, the JSA, I can tell you right now, is going to be a uh, triptych cover. Oh, yeah, it kind of does look... Because they do kind of extend off the page there, I guess. There's somebody's foot. Yes. Okay. Before we uh, talk about these issues, though, um, there's one thing that we have to talk about. I will not stop drinking. (laughs) Stay in school, kids. I guess there is one other thing we can talk about, and that would be our sponsor. Aroba Silver. Okay, so arobasilver.com. There, they have a bunch of, you know, amazing silver jewelry. And as we say every week, the reason we like it is because of their Green Lantern ring selection. They have a very wide variety of Green Lantern rings. They have the Hal Jordan version rings. They have the Kyle Rayner version rings. And they even have the Alan Scott rings, which I guess if they have the Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner rings, then depending on artists, you could also argue that they have the John Stewart and Guy Gardner rings, right? Right, Dan? Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, there are, <laughs> it's a standard issue. What the hell you want? <laughs> yeah. So, so check that out. They also have the Green Lanterns of Earth collection, which is four different rings with uh, the names of each of the four Earth Green Lanterns, and you know, it's got you know their name, their specific symbol. You know, Kyle has his his specific symbol. symbol. John Stewart has his more animated look symbol. They all have their own. It's a very interesting looking ring. It's basically like remember the rings you've ordered at the end of senior year in high school. It's it's that except a million times cooler because it's not about your stupid high school and it's about <laughs> Green Lantern. <laughs> yes, yes, well put, well put. And they also have a another, you know, a whole bunch of other sections with other, you know, really cool jewelry that, you know, would really appeal to the the geek community. They have the Phoenix Ring. Red Ring of Death. The Red Ring of Death. They have a bunch of Twilight Rings for all those guys who want to get a nice little Twilight piece of jewelry for their, their lady. <laughs> What, I, I wonder if anybody would, like, propose with a Twilight ring. <laughs> if you t- if you time it when the next movie comes out, you probably get a guess. I'm just going to throw that out there. 
<laughs> Especially if you make your skin all sparkly and spike up your hair like that. Well, I mean, hair gel and glitter, how hard is that? <laughs> it's very affordable, especially if you use the coupon code... DSC10. If you use that coupon code at aerobasilver.com, you get 10% off. So use that code, save a little money, and a little later we will be talking more about Silver for something very special. Nice. Okay. Let's talk some comics. Uh, Blackest Night, Wonder Woman number two. Okay. Uh, in this issue, which is, again, written by Greg Rucka, drawn by Nicholas Scott, that wonderful Nicholas Scott artwork, Black Lantern Wonder Woman fights Mera, while she's also struggling internally against the Black Ring. Wonder Woman gains control just long enough to get away from Mera, she is then confronted by Wonder Girl and Donna Troy, and kills them both. Just before she can kill her mother, well, actually, no, she kind of does kill her mother. Well, axe to the chest, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> axe to the chest, yeah. <laughs> Tis merely a flesh wound. Batman swoops in and reminds her of love, and just then, the goddess Aphrodite appears, along with a violet ring, to uh, to let Wonder Woman know that she didn't actually just kill anybody. It was all just this big psychic playground that Aphrodite, the goddess, had created so that Black Lantern and Wonder Woman could uh, let her vicious tendencies run free without actually hurting anybody. So there, you know, says there's a, a bunch of love, you know, great love within Wonder Woman, and uh, the vi- the Violet Ring chooses her. And now she's free of the Black Ring. She's a Violet Lantern for 24 hours. Now, I'm flipping through this, and this has to be the first thing I bring up, because every time I open this issue go through it, it hits me the same way. We have to give big credit to Nerafino, who I don't think we've talked about for a while, but she's she colored this. And if you go to the page, you know, the page where, like, Diana is, is uh, kissing... Batman, and then turn the page, it goes like, like, <laughs> like, you almost want to squint. It, it's so, such an effective use of lighting. Yeah. It's so good, like, it goes, because you get, she gets you so used to the dark, because it's nighttime, everybody's wearing black, It's it, it perfectly matches the subject matter, and then you turn the page, and this goddess descends, and it is all just like, so incredibly bright and well lit and just vibrant and it's just so it's 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 more effective than color on a page if that makes any sense you know i didn't actually realize that she had colored this issue but you know i mean i guess it makes sense because i thought the art was absolutely like just brilliant she's definitely like among my top favorite colorists and on the flip side like, I, I guess overall, I didn't really hate anything about this issue. One thing that did annoy me after a while, though, was um how apparently Diana's ring is, like, a whiny jerk. What do you mean? Because, like, at first, because, like, her whole inner monologue is, like, she's trying to talk, but the ring keeps cutting her off and saying flesh. Okay, flesh. All right, I get it, because it's... It's word bubble is overlapping her thought box. That means, like, 
it's suppressing her and all that. Okay, I get that. But then after a while, like, it just starts saying other stuff. Like, when Mira starts getting the better of her, she's like, yes, Mira, yes. And the ring's like, no, no, that's (laughs) it, you can do it. No, 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 flesh, 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 no. (laughs) And I think it, I I feel, I I didn't mark the page, but it does something else later, I think. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, what the hell? Why is the ring, like, whining? Like, this is, I mean... I've been under the impression all of these rings are, like, like giving out this standard, like, automated thing. It's like there's somebody sitting at home with, like, a walkie-talkie just, like, talking through a ring. Well, I mean, I don't think that that's entirely, you know, incorrect, that, that assumption, because she she's still alive. But the ring is like, you know, it's it's taking over her mind. So, like, she's fighting it, but you have, like, this, this powerful, this voice coming from the ring trying to, you know, to convince her and sway her. Well, yeah, I get that, but it seems more like, it, it almost reads like there's, like, the ring has a personal stake in it, you know? Like, like I it reminded me of, um... Uh, remember in, uh, Emerald Dawn, there, there's, like, one or two instances in there where Hal's ring just all of a sudden gets sarcastic with him out yes. of nowhere and then <laughs> does it again? This, this is like that. I don't think it's on the same level. Well, it was a little weird to me, but... Yeah. Plus, you know, I mean, this, this definitely seemed more, more to the effect that, you know, it's like, it's infecting her brain. It's more of, like, the death version of Wonder Woman, you know, thinking these things as well. I don't know. It worked for me. I had no problem with it. The only thing that I guess was kind of a little jarring to me was, like, okay, on the one hand, this issue is great because, you know, it gives a little bit more reason why Mera should have a Red Rage ring, you know? Because, like, you know, out of everybody on Earth, out of all the characters on Earth, to tell me that Mera, you know, has the most rage in her heart, it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous, you know. Like okay, maybe like with the past couple of events that have happened to her recently, but overall, so I mean like you know they they kind of they put her in a mindset right now where if you know it, it's kind of like the the Green Lantern core issue, where like you know a lot of stuff is going down at this exact moment where, you know, a red ring happens to be flying around, and, you know, the ring just kind of latches onto that and, you know, goes to it because then it doesn't have to expel any other energy, like, actually looking any harder. But then, you know, like, the other thing was when Wonder Woman, like, basically runs away to try and save Mara, at that point, Mara's just kind of, like, looking at her like, what, she just ran away when she was about to kill me. I think that would, more than anything, cause me confusion, you know? Like, you know, you're fighting with, like, you're, you're Mara, and you're fighting Wonder Woman. And, like, you know, obviously you don't want to fight Wonder Woman, I would, yeah, you would think. No, no, no. So, <laughs> two heroes, typically you wouldn't be fighting. But she's a Black Lantern, so you have to fight her. Now, okay, so you're filled with lots and lots of rage, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, Wonder Woman just kind of, like, 
has her head in her hands, and she's, you know, like, it looks like she's visually struggling against something, and then she flies away, and she's no longer attacking you. It, I mean, like, all the rage that I just had for Wonder Woman would have, would turn, like, immediately into, like, a giant ball of confusion, like, okay, what the hell just happened, and now let me get back to the battle so that I can help everybody else. I don't think it would stop her from being pissed, because, like, like, this is still her friend being used to, like, murder people, and now she's flown out of sight, presumably, to murder more people. Plus, I mean, look at the last panel we see Mara. She's, like, her shoulder is nailed to a post with a spear. You're not gonna stop being angry while your shoulder is nailed to a post with a spear. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, just, like, the way... Like, you were my friend. And, like, and all of a sudden, one of them is like, Mera. She, like, she, like, wipes the spit off and then flies away. Like, I'd, I'd be like, what the hell? Like, what the hell? Like, seriously, you were just trying to kill me and you just flew away. And I'd be confused. That That would be my major, you know, that would be the emotion coming off of me. I don't know what color that would be. Maybe, maybe an azure blue... Maybe maybe a, a a yellow ochre. I don't know. <laughs> I do like though. As soon as she does kind of pull it together, the uh, the text uh, flips. So now it's her thought bubbles overlapping the uh, the rings. Nice little subtle stuff. I think it's awesome when she tries to like, she can't pull the ring off, so she like immediately spins around and is gonna chop her own hand off to get rid of it. Yeah. What did you think about the, you know, the whole, you know, okay, this didn't actually happen. This was just here to save you from hurting anybody else. Well, I I mean, when I turned the page and I saw her, like, punch through Cassie's chest yeah. and, like, rip her heart out, I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, cause remember, like, my, you know, my Teen Titans, quote unquote, was, like, her and Connor and Tim and all that. Right. So I was like, I like this is not a character I wanted to see die. Yeah. So in that respect, I'm very glad that it <laughs> didn't happen. And I'm also glad because when I saw her chop up Donna, I'm like, well, that doesn't really make much sense to me either, especially the fact that Donna doesn't appear to be getting up. So <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they're killing her mother too? No, all right, they're not going to kill all of her supporting characters or people related to Wonder Woman. And when when Batman showed up, I'm like, all right, that can't be Bruce. Why is she making out with Dick? This doesn't make any sense. What's happening? <laughs> so, so I am, I'm glad it wasn't real because if it was all real, it would be like inconsistent and weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah, like I don't know. I I I really liked it. I know uh, on our forums, Corwin. Corwin definitely didn't like the fact that it was all just basically a dream, but, like, I have to say, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're reading this, and all of a sudden Cassie shows up, and she wants to save Wonder Woman, and all of a sudden, like, yeah, like, that scene where, like, her, Wonder Woman's heart is just, like, plunging through Cassie's, you know, chest, ripping her heart right out. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe they just did that! You know, it's like, shock. I half expected them to go the route where, like, 
like, okay, Black Lantern Donna Troy is going to try and feed on Cassie, but Diana is going to struggle against the ring to fight off Donna or something. Yeah, yeah. So when they turn the page, I'm like, Jesus, really? Yeah. yeah. We just got Connor and Bart back, and we're losing Cassie. Damn it. So, yeah, so I'm thinking, like, okay, well, maybe she'll become a Black Lantern or something like that, or maybe they'll figure out a way to, you know, revive her at the end of Blackest Night, or I don't know. And then she takes out Donna Troy. And it's like, oh, my God, like, what is happening? And, like, I'm figuring, okay, well, it's Donna Troy. And, you know, how many times has she died? So I'm not really worried about her. So then, you know, her mother, and, like, I wasn't actually sure that the mother had had died because, like, you know, you don't, there's no sound effects with the shield to her neck. You know, so I figured, okay, well, maybe there's a chance that she could survive the axe to the chest. She threw an axe in her chest. She was wearing armor. Oh, she was wearing armor. Ooh, axe to the chest. But then, yeah, like you said, when Batman shows up and it's, you know, he says, she says Bruce and, and kisses him. It's like, okay, wait, what? What's going on now? Which I thought, you know what, maybe she's just a little confused. You know, maybe they don't know the deal with Dick as Batman or something. Or, I don't <laughs> know. Maybe it's this thing in her head. But, yeah, and then you have that page where, you know, Aphrodite, that's... Which, by the way, like, this is a gorgeous page. Like, this, the, I love the art in this whole book. This this miniseries is just... I'm loving it. Loving the whole thing, the whole package. But this one page, like, with Aphrodite coming down, is just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. She's wearing violet too. Haha. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I love how like the parts of Wonder Woman that are in light are her regular, you know, the way she looks, but wherever there's shadow, it's the black. Yeah. Totally awesome. So I guess in terms of gelling with Blackest Night number 6, do you think was um like from the moment she leaves Mara was all of this 100% in her head and she was just kind of standing there or was she really on the beach somewhere just like like thrashing around at nothing Actually she was on the beach and then all of a sudden when Aphrodite shows up she you know Aphrodite like you know says you know look at these bodies and all of a sudden they disappear and they're in midair so basically, Wonder Woman, like, flew up and then just stopped. Okay. I like that. So she's still, like, right there. Plus, like, you know, part of the reason I don't have a problem with this is because, you know, a freaking goddess decided to do it. It's, it's like the go-to answer for how did this happen being, you know, a wizard did it. Well, you know what? A goddess decided to do it. <laughs> oh, wait, but, but you see, not just any goddess, you know? Because if it was just any goddess or any god that is like, oh, Wonder Woman's getting a ring now, you know, then it wouldn't make sense. But this is the goddess of love, which has already had a strong connection to to Wonder Woman. So it's like, you know, it does really make sense. Then you have the page reveal, the, the page turn with her in the Star Sapphire costume. This was the only thing that, you know, was a little little wonky to me. I mean, the art style is definitely, you know, definitely there. But the, the costume itself, like, it's weird because on the opposite page, you have the Ivan Reese drawn, you know, version of Wonder Woman. Who's that? Ivan Reese. Yeah. Mm. But uh, the one, like, in, you know, 
this this full page of Wonder Woman is a Star Sapphire. The costume actually looks more like 70s inspired. Yeah, kind of does. Next up uh, in you know issue three, they have a hint of daylight. And you know what? I love the fact that this continued the trend from issue one. These are basically one shots. You know, you can read you can read this one without reading number one. You can read number one without reading number two. And I think it works really, really well. Yeah, I th- this is this is hands down my favorite tie-in. Yeah, and the cover even makes perfect sense for what's going on in the issue. It's Black Lantern, Wonder Woman fighting Mara, and you've got the whole the hand with the puppet strings going down to Wonder Woman, and it's like yes, amazing Greg Horn art as well. Awesome issue. If you're not reading this series. Either start, go find issue one and two, and and start reading it. Or when this gets collected, like you know, whatever this gets collected with, let this be the the tie-in trade that you pick up. I really like, like I really like Mira giving basically street cred to the Aquaman stable of characters. It's like she's some she's somebody with water powers in a fish suit that like controls water and hits stuff with a stick, and she's beating up one of the big guns. Or she's holding her own with it, like, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did like the line, you know, a queen doesn't take orders from a princess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was clever. Awesome writing by Greg Rucka. Yeah. So, okay, what do you say we switch gears a little and do Teen Titans? Okay, so it's Teen Titans 77, 78... Uh, as I said before, it's J.T. Krull writing it, and, uh, what's his name? Art by Joe, Joe Bennett. Bennett. Yeah, nice fella. You know, basically, this is the story of the Slade family. You know, Wilson Slade is Deathstroke the Terminator. He's like the Titans' big, big, uh, bad guy. And he has, he has a couple kids, Rose and Joey. Rose is, uh... Ravenger. She she has major daddy issues. So she 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 uses his costume as a member of the Teen Titans because he's tried to kill the Teen Titans for years. So it's kind of a big like, you know, up yours dad kind of move. And Joey, his his son goes by Jericho, who's like a classic Titans character who can like body jump into people and whatever. So this opens with, you know, Deathstroke, he's sitting at home thinking about everything, all the people he's killed and all the people he's lost, and how he himself was used as kind of a a puppet to kill his own his own um, confidant companion, a, a guy named Win- named uh, Wintergreen, who's always been there for him throughout his life. When Rose shows up to try and kill him, you know he doesn't really want that to happen, and, but he's trying to talk to her throughout it, and he, he's saying like, you know what, I don't blame you for hating me. You can hate me if you want. You can try to kill me if you want. But, you know, everything I did was ultimately you know, for the best for you. And, you know, she doesn't buy it. But then some Black Lanterns start showing up. It's it's pretty much their family, their entire dead family. You have Wintergreen, who is, who is uh, Slade's, you know, his... I, I keep wanting to say sidekick. I don't want to say sidekick. Confidant. His confidant. I like that. Mm-hmm. You have Wintergreen, his confidant. You have... um. Rose's uncle, you have Rose's other brother, and Slade's ex-wife. All four of them show up as Black Lanterns, 
at least two of them have Deathstroke-like identities. <laughs> and, you know, Slade and Rose are, are kind of... They don't really want to work together, but they're working together until Joey, Jericho, shows up. Turns out one of these Black Lanterns tried to kill him, so he body-jumped inside it trying to take control of it, but he failed, <laughs> which ended up giving him a free ride to the battle. There's lots more fighting. In a nice fatherly gesture, Slade locks his two kids inside this bunker while he goes out to try and fight off the Black Lanterns alone. And when that doesn't work, Jericho tries one more time. He jumps inside his uh, Black Lantern mother and just starts wailing on everybody. (laughs) This time he actually has control because, you know, the whole... In times of great stress, people are capable of incredible whatevers. <laughs> so he's controlling his Black Lantern mother, and he does everything he can think of. He blows up the house just because he... Well, that's basically what he does. He blows up the house. <laughs> <laughs> and the other Black Lanterns are like, alright, you know what? No. So they hold him down. Two of them hold him down while the third tries to feed on his heart, which I don't... I guess that would work because he's inside the Black Lantern, but alright, whatever. So he realizes, Al, this hurts, so they can actually kill each other. So as the as the mom Black Lantern, as the Black Lantern he's in, dies. He jumps out of it into another. And he just keeps hopping between them until they've all, like, fed off of each other and they all, like, collapse into a pile of ash. And then, you know, it's kind of over. The threat is gone. Their home is destroyed. Slade basically invites them to join a team he's forming. What team, you say? (laughs) Well, this would be Slade's not-yet-formed team of Titans, which we mentioned last episode. If you haven't listened to it, shame on you. I'm sure you're a good person anyway, but listen to it. And, you know, Rose, which a point I kind of like, Rose says, you know what, no, because tonight just taught me that my mom's alive. All of our dead relatives showed up, but her. So I'm going to say, screw you, Dad. I'm going to find my mom. <laughs> Jericho, nah, he's going to stick around. And that's the end. What'd you think? Okay, well, I have I have mixed feelings on this. De- definitely mixed feelings. But the first thing that I want to mention, because you, you just brought it up, was that, that team that Slade is going to be creating, I, I didn't catch it until just now as you were doing the recap. I was flipping through. In the bunker? Yeah, in the in the bunker, there's computer monitors. And I didn't see it at first, but, like, on the biggest monitor, it's, you know, it's a guy with, like, a green dragon coming off of him. And I realized, that's the tattoo man. That's the tattooed man. And just below that is a monitor with, uh, I think it's Scandal, right? Cheshire. Uh, is that Cheshire? Yep. You sure it's not Scandal? I don't know who Scandal is. I thought, well, whatever. It's it's definitely the woman that they announced on that list that's going to be in his new Titans. And, like, you know, very next page, say, you know, the daughter Rose says, Slade, what happened to changing your ways? I see you got yourself another hit list. To which he replies, it's not what you think. So, like, they're setting up his team in this issue, like, throughout the entire issue. Which I thought was kind of cool. This is very much the setup story for his Titans, which will include Jericho. Like, they're not saying anybody but, you know, Tattooed Man and What's-Her-Face yet, but 
it's it's he's he pretty much said he's joining the team at the end of this, so we know those four characters now. Right. The thing I thought you were gonna bring up first Okay. is uh and this is actually this is the biggest negative just because of like advertising and whatnot. I know. The Teen Titans weren't in this. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess they were, because I mean Rose is a Titan and Jericho was a Titan or whatever, but if you look at the cover, yeah. you got all these Black Lantern the cover to seventy seven. You got all these Black Lantern Teen Titans. You know, you got everybody from Tempest to Hawk to Terra to like four other people I've never seen before. Phantasm? I don't know. I don't know. The one in the top left is, I think, Superboy Prime punched her head off in Infinite Crisis. I don't remember. Panther? Yeah. And Beast? Wild Beast? Wildebeest. But, like, they're rushing at, you know, you know, we're seeing it from, like, a first-person perspective. And, like, the just the living hands, like, like reaching out to fight them, like, that looks like Wonder Girl just because of, like, it has the bracelet Static's hand up on the right, and I think that's Blue Beetle on the bottom, just because, I mean, just going by their hands, but you can kind of tell. Yeah. So I, I, I expected this to be, like, the story about the Titans characters that were not in the three-issue miniseries. Yeah. Because there's, there's enough. And you would expect that, okay, they're going to be fighting these Black Lanterns that are on this cover. Mm-hmm. And 100% of what's on this cover is not anywhere in here. So it was like, I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, this is the most misleading cover, I think, that... Maybe that I've ever seen. Just because, <laughs> like... Yeah, like, the, these characters that are on the cover have, like, absolutely nothing to do with what goes on inside this story. And especially considering, like, it's the same writer as the miniseries, so you would expect, like... I mean, how did that miniseries end? Well, the surviving Black Lanterns flew away. And three of them are on this cover. So it's like, okay, this is where they went. <laughs> yeah, and slipped right by going into somewhere else so that we could make room for Deathstroke. Yeah, I was so surprised that this ended up being a two-issue Deathstroke story, but at yeah. the same time, it wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, like, I want, I want to talk about the art. I thought the art in this was overall, like, very good. Um... Yeah, I can't really... There wasn't really anything that, that struck me as bad, and, and some of the scenes were very cool. You know, the Black Lantern zombies and stuff like that. One thing that I did notice, like a little Easter egg kind of thing, is that it's basically giving you the story of Slade... Was it Slade Wilson? Uh, Wil- Wilson Slade, I think. No, no, Slade Wilson. It's, I thought Slade was his last name. No, Slade's his first name. Oh, Slade Wilson, right there on the first page. Oh, that sucks. But, like, the thing that's, that's that's you know, pretty funny about this is that you see, right, the, the very first panel, Slade Wilson is doing, like, basically a karate chop to somebody named Rogers. <laughs> and then it later says that he went on to do the Super Soldier program. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Nice so, Captain America tie-in. Yeah, they're, they're basically showing Slade Wilson kicking the crap out of Steve Rogers. I like it. I like it. <laughs> the story was, for the most part, good. Like, you know, there were there were definitely some, um, you know, I guess lazy lazy writing moments. I would say, like, just the whole concept of you know, 
Rose is, like, that she picked this night to kill her father, you would think that, like, she should, you know, she'd be like, oh, well, you know, well, this saves me the trouble. <laughs> but, but no, like, you know, she's like, you know, for a second she's just standing there watching, and then she's like, it's like, damn it, now I have to join in. It's, it's odd that, you know, she went from wanting to kill him to wanting to save his life just like that. At first I thought, like, all right, she doesn't want anyone to kill him before she can kill him kind of thing. But by the end, they're like, they're like, after all this, you still love him to some degree or whatever, but no. Tell me that when they blew ahead uh, the, I guess it was the first Ravager, when they blow apart his head and it's coming back together, like, tell me that doesn't look like the Red Skull in, like, a Captain America costume. Uh, where's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like two Captain America references right there. Joe Bennett just read his issue of Captain America Reborn before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of what I'm thinking. And, you know, I didn't... I didn't like look for it, but I, I would I wonder if maybe at some point throughout this series somebody takes like a shield off the wall and like throws it at somebody to try and decapitate them. No, that was Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I really do like this shot, the full page splash of uh, Rose slicing the Black Lantern in half, like straight down the middle. Yeah. Like, that was like that was like one of those like you turn the page and you're like, What? Yeah. That's that's cool. That looks cool. I was looking at it thinking like, oh god, it's like, well, she better like start maneuvering that sword a certain way, otherwise Slade is gonna have some trouble. You know that would that would make more sense of like she's like, you know, I'm gonna kill him and my dad, and she just keeps going. People with swords have been having some really badass moments lately with Black Lanterns. Because, like, remember in the the Outsiders issue where Katana finally sees through, like, her (laughs) husband's deception? And she just just hacks the crap out of him until he's, like, kibble? (laughs) I like the, like, the the method or the, uh, I guess, the direction that, like, this Wintergreen comes in with. Where he's like, you know, it's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, fight you. You know, I, I'm not here to cause you any pain. I'm here to, you know, make things easier for you. I'm tr- I'm here to kill you so that you, you stop causing pain to other people. Yeah, that was, that was nice. Especially since, like, a big thing with Slade's character is, like, you know, I, he even says at the end here, but that this concept has been here long before this. He wants what's best for his kids and the reason i think this even came out in jeff john's run on teen titans like the reason he hasn't killed the titans yet or ever is because his kids being with him makes them targets so you know that's how you know for the longest time jericho was mute because his throat got cut because you know somebody was using him as bait and he realized like all right the titans are the family that these kids need. Like, this is the family that will nurture them and protect them. I yeah. can't do that. So, like, their Wintergreen here is trying to convince Slade, like, you know what? Just kill yourself. And then the danger is gone. They won't be targets anymore. I gotta tell you, these two issues did make me think twice about my resolve not to read that Titans book. <laughs> 
but I don't think it's written by the same guy, so that faded away. Oh, um, it's the same guy that wrote the Tattooed Man series. Well, yeah, I know that. I just don't know if I'm looking it up. Comic Book Database. See, what was it? ComicBookDebate.com. You don't know the address of anything. Eric Wallace. Eric Wallace, that's the writer for the thing. I mean, if it was, if it was Mr. Krull, then maybe, but, no. Yeah. Someone out there, read it and tell us how it is. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Please. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, I, I, I just have issues with the Deathstroke character on a whole. Like, the fact that he's supposed to be, like, this super amazing fighting mercenary, yet he only has one eye. Well, he learned how to do it before he lost his eye. Well, that's all fine and good, but he completely lost his depth perception. Well, the same goes for Rose, too, because she carved out her eye. She's nuts. Yeah, but she's a woman, so I'll give her some slack. Dude. <laughs> no, I mean, she's 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 good-looking, so, so I'm willing to overlook that whole glitch in her. <laughs> nice and superficial. Does, no wait, does, um, because I know Rose is supposed to have some kind of, like, uh, like, some degree of precognition, like, like, she can see what's going to happen, like, two seconds in the future or something like that. Did she get that from her dad? I have no idea. I would imagine yes. It, it's some, probably something that was passed along from his super soldier program thing. He probably had kids after he signed up for that program. That would help with the uh, the whole eye thing, then, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> two, she can, he can see two seconds ahead, so he knows, oh, wait, nope, that shot's going to go a little too far. Got to bring it in. One thing that I didn't actually know about was, like, with Jericho, I guess when he goes into somebody, his entire body, like, kind of, like, dissolves and follows him. That's weird. Did you read the John's uh, Teen Titans when he did that? Mm, no. No. Because that was like the first or second arc or something. I forget which. I don't know if it was always the case, but now that's how his powers do. I'm more curious about why he can talk, because I thought he was mute. Yeah. That's like the one thing they don't explain here. They're like, oh, and, and Joey lost his voice when his throat got cut. And then he shows up and he's just talking to everybody. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Well, yeah, that's why, you know, I just naturally assumed that he had a body somewhere, and, you know, like, his his mute body, like, you know, maybe he lost that one somewhere along the way, but he, he, he jumped into somebody's, you know, mind, and maybe they created a new body, but I have no idea, you know? Oh, you know what? They, they did tell us, because you know what? When they did the Jericho recap, he, um, you know, he got taken over by this creature thing, and Slade had to kill him. But before dying, he jumped out of himself into Slade and then was just in there for a while. And then they did um, that Titan story early on where he jumped back out, and they, they, uh, what did they do? They did this cool trick where, like, he tried to take over Cyborg, but he closed his eyes, so Jericho went into, like, his robotic part of his brain, and they just, like, put him on a flash drive and stored him away somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was cool. And like <laughs> later on Raven did this thing where like like she 
magically created his body again or something and put him in it. Or I forget. <laughs> I guess that's what happened. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess it's magic. You don't have to explain it. Uh, I guess that makes as much sense as anything else. Was kind of interesting to see Jericho like flash on all the uh, the Black Lantern stuff that was happening. He has enough of that evil thing that possessed him left in him that he's afraid to use his power because it might like. There's enough bad crap left in him that his eyes grew back after being carved out. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, that was. It's not a good time. <laughs> You know, I mean, I like the reasoning for Jericho wanting to join up with Deathstroke's team. And he spends so much time in his dad's head that he trusts him and he understands him. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the last last couple pages of this story made a lot of sense. You know, like, okay, Jericho's basically on board because he knows his father's the only one that, you know, can kill him if something bad happens. So... Unlike Rose, who's afraid that her father's going to try and, you know, get her killed, you know, Jericho's basically like, hey, if I start acting up, kill me. I'll join your team, but only if you promise to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and and Rose, uh, talk about, like, you know, weird logic, but totally makes sense. My mother didn't actually show up here, so that means she's alive. <laughs> Like, seriously, like, that that's kind of like, that's ego right there. It's like, hey, all these other people, you know, Rose, so why not my mom? Hmm. That must mean she's alive. Well, I mean, like, if every single other person in your life who you've ever had die shows up, but this one person doesn't, you know? Maybe Necron just figured that he had enough. He had enough people to, uh, to take him out. Well, apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> of all characters and teams to to do just super excellent against Black Lanterns to outnumber them. I didn't really think, like, the Wilson family. <laughs> I'm like, what are they going to do? Shoot them and hit them with swords? Okay. But they end up, like, severing four connections, and all they had to, to do was, like, blow up one house. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> now, explain to me this, because <laughs> when the other day, when we were deciding what issues to do, and I hadn't read these yet, you said, you said, let's do Teen Titans. It'll make for a better discussion because it really sucks. So I, and I went into it thinking, oh man, this is gonna be terrible, isn't it? So what the hell? Oh, I hadn't read it at that point, and I, I think I said something a little more along the lines of, it's like, we'll do Teen Titans because it will suck. Because I was basically, I was anticipating it sucking because it was a two issue story based on Deathstroke who, like, at that point, I had, like, less than no interest in. So, I, I yeah, like, I will, I'll give J.T. Krull and Joe Bennett a lot of credit because I went into this thinking that I was going to absolutely hate it. I, you know, I was basically predisposed to hating the story and hating, like, the main character and, I guess, by extension, the, the side characters, you know, in the, uh, in the story as well. And, you know, I, I left the story with, like, you know, okay, I don't love Deathstroke, like, not by a long shot. Like, I still am not that big on the character. But, no, overall, the uh, the Teen Titans story was, was pretty good. Do we know, is uh, Krull the regular writer now? I never thought to check. 
No, me neither. I'm just looking up now. Apparently, J.T. Krull is not the regular writer. It oh. kind of bounces around, unless he's starting a run right now. But you know. Yeah, that's sad. Remember when Titans used to be, like, the DC book to read? No. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it never was for me. Oh, it was so good. Like, this is, this is another property where, like, as soon as Johns left it, they didn't know what the hell to do. I mean, around, like, up to and through Infinite Crisis, where he stopped it, that was, like, the Titans, their heyday, or whatever the hell the expression is. I maintain to this day, Infinite Crisis was basically a Titans story. <laughs> I don't know about that. What I will say is that, uh, I did read a little bit of the, the Titan, the, was it Teen Titans, just after, uh, Infinite Crisis. Uh, it was, like, Robin on his, like, quest to try and, like, you know, rebuild Superboy or something. Uh, the one year later stuff, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty yeah, interesting. that wasn't very good. <laughs> that's, that's funny. I'm like, <laughs> no, that was it wasn't. That was pretty interesting. That sucked! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. Oh, please. So, Blackest Night JSA. This was a good one. This one was a very good one. You know, it opens up with basically, like, the cliff notes on the lives of Wesley Dodds, um, the original Sandman. You have Charles McNighter, the original Dr. Midnight, and Terry Sloan, the original Mr. Terrific. They all uh, rise up as Black Lanterns, and they're looking for hearts. There's lots and lots of fighting. Uh, Liberty Bell is, like, feeling really guilty over the death of Damage. Because, like, she's the one that got him to join the JSA. Uh, unfortunately, her guilt is kind of interrupted by the appearance of her Black Lantern father, Johnny Quick. Meanwhile, you have Mr. Terrific, who is, uh, he's investigating the lifeless corpses of uh, Superman of Earth 2 uh, and Psycho Pirate. The, um, these are the corpses from the Blackest Night Superman series as you mentioned, also written by James Robinson. He's looking for a way to stop the Black Lanterns, and he ends up calling in, he, he tells uh, Flash, um, what's, what's that Flash's name? Jay Garrick. That's it. He tells Jay Garrick to bring him Alan Scott, the uh, original Green Lantern, Lightning, Stargirl, uh, and Dr. Fate, so that uh, you know he can use all their powers to, you know, to basically overcome these Black Lanterns. Uh, Power Girl is having uh, major issues because now she has to watch her, you know, she has to see her cousin die again. <laughs> but uh, her her attention is, is quickly, uh, you know, diverted because all of a sudden, who should pop up but Black Lantern Lois Lane the, from Earth 2? So, uh, yeah, they're, they're all at the, the Justice League headquarters, and uh, just as Mr. Terrific, the, you know, the current one, is about to, you know, like, start, you know, working on his plan, he realizes, oh, no, they're going to figure out, you know, what I'm doing, and they're all going to be coming here. And, uh, oh, too late, they're already there. I gotta say, though, I know you had this problem with the Superman miniseries, but I, I kind of have it here. I, I can't feel any real sense of danger 
for this group at the end. Because, I mean, all right, look look at the setup. You got Green Lantern and Doctor Fate, both of whom are insanely powerful. You've got <laughs> Miss, Mr. Terrific, who's, like, the third smartest guy ever. Yeah. And you've got, you got Stargirl, Cyclone, and Lightning, who are all, like, really good for, like, shooting people from a distance. And they're, they're all gathered together. They know the bad guys are coming. They're in a fortified bunker surrounded by Mr. Terrific's technology. Like, this group right here is in, like, the best possible setup that we've seen since Blackest Night started to, like, specifically repel Black Lanterns. Well, well, additionally, they now have Dr. Fate with them, who can open up magical portals to other places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, even, he, he even said, like, yeah, I got attacked by the other Dr. Fate. I teleported him into space. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's like, this group is in no danger at all. <laughs> um, you know, like, well, first off, there is Wildcat. He left, though. <laughs> He's... No, he was going to the kitchen, basically. What? He was going to find Power Girl, who was, like, off in the kitchen. No, she's not. They're not in their headquarters. They're in Star Labs. No, pretty sure they're all in the same building. No, because if you look at look at the last page, the Black Lanterns are converging on, like, the building that says Star on it in really big letters. I saw that. But I'm pretty sure that there's a kitchen where they are. I think something happened to the brownstone which is why they're here. Did it? Because I thought, like, she could hear Ma Huckle being attacked back in their headquarters, like, across town, and she just, like, went there really quick to help her. No, because I think she's there because she's looking for her husband, who's, like, probably in another room. Okay, that makes more sense, then. What the hell happened to their brownstone? Um, I don't know. Something in, like, the more recent stories. I'm not really too sure. I do like the fact that Robinson is tying up the Black Lantern Lois loose end. Yes, yeah. And and not to mention, like, you know, they might actually, you know, talk about what happened to, you know, the Black Lantern Superman and Psycho Pirate. So, it, it is nice the way that he is bringing it, you know, bringing it back around. I'm waiting for those two to get up again because you just know a couple Black Rings are going to bring them back well, that would be interesting, you know, if they do, because, you know, their connection has been severed already. Yeah, would they be different this time around? Mm. You know, overall, I, I really like this issue. I, I was actually kind of surprised. I have to say, I was a little surprised that I enjoyed this issue as much as I did. For some reason, like, I guess the characters that they chose to brought back or something that they had announced originally, just... For whatever reason, I just I wasn't really excited about it, and then I, I started reading it, and I'm like, actually, this is really good. I'm liking this. I like it a lot. The one thing I really I, like how they. D- oh, you go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I think we're gonna talk about the same thing. So you go ahead. That'll be awesome. <laughs> the one thing, or no, that was what you said. Crap. Uh, <laughs> I really like the um the way that. Robinson handled the um the memory download pages. <laughs> that's ex- that's exactly what I was going to talk about. The only thing is, I was going to take the exact opposite angle. You damn it! Because <laughs> I like how like it cuts. I like how it cuts back and forth between the memory download stuff and what's happening right now. But it's pulled back so you don't see them as Black Lanterns until it unveils in like the two page splash. Yeah. Um. 
I mean, do, did you not like it because like, it makes the dialogue disjointed or whatever? But. Yeah, it's you know the the only reason I didn't like it was because it's it's very difficult. It's basically like they're telling four stories at once on each page. You know, and you have to keep track of, you know, all four, you know, s- different sets of dialogue going on, you know, for each page for one, two, three, four, is it, it's four pages? No, five pages. Five pages worth of dialogue. No, you don't. Yeah. If you wanted to, uh, the way I, I read this, I read it in order. And I didn't, like, flip back, like, okay, here's a second Wesley Dodds panel, I'll go back and see if that links up to the... Because it didn't matter to me. Like, it's... it's you get, You're getting, like, blips of information that, you know, they form, like, a larger general narrative, but they don't really need to be read A, B, C, <laughs> one, two, three. It, it, does, it didn't well, matter. Well, what you call it? I, that's not exactly true, because, you know, in the, the very first page, very first panel, the third box down, apparitions appearing in the picture book of my slumbers vivid and anguished, dot, 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 that I'd awaken screaming. You know, it's like, it's it's literally, it's a continuation of the sentence. It's like, you know, the, the, the dialogue stops mid-sentence, and you have to wait until a page to finish the end, reading the end of that sentence. That's not actually a whole sentence. As a sentence, it doesn't work. Like, all right, the two boxes together. Apparitions appearing in the picture book of my slumbers. Vivid and anguished, that I'd awaken screaming. Like, that's talking about two different things. The first box is talking about what he sees when he's asleep, and the second box talks about him. So it's like, it's like he was giving us his thought here that got interrupted, and then we, we cycled back to him over here, but he had been going on still. Like, like if you're in the middle of watching a TV show, and then you you change the channel just to see what's on the next channel in the middle of it, and then you change back. Like the show is still going. They're they're like not gonna be paused on that word anymore. But then for uh, Doctor Midnight, second page, um, second panel, it said at the very bottom it says, "Yes, by day I was blind," and then the next page, "But by day I but by night I could see." That's a definite continuation of a sentence. That's not what they were going... Like, it doesn't matter. Like, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. That's not the point of it. Like, like the thematic point is, like, like all these panels are kind of matching up. Like, like all right, the first page, all three panels are, you know, the characters being subjected to whatever it was that was hindering them or was, was like, causing them trouble. Then the second page is it kind of coming to a head. The third page is them using it to kind of rise up in superhero form to use it as, like, like their motivation or their skill to fight for justice or whatever. They were telling these three stories at the same time to, because of, like, where they can thematically match up. You know, I, I understand that. I, and I understand that it makes sense on that point of view. And, you know, I more than anything, I... You know, I basically say, it's like, okay, you know, I'm okay with this because when you get to the end of, you know, the three stories and, you know, the stuff that's happening currently, like that two-page spread, that major reveal is like, you know, that's that's what it's, that's the reason. 
that's why that that all happened. And I think that's totally worth it. It's just that, you know, it is, I'd say it is definitely, you know, kind of disjointed and difficult to follow along with. I mean, if they had given us, like, here's the Dr. Midnight page, and then that's his whole deal, and here's the Mr. Terrific page, and that's his whole deal, like, it wouldn't have been interesting. Like, like this, like, this one, it, like, it gave you, because, like, that's another, like, another part, like, the point, or at the bottom here, when it shows you the present day stuff, it didn't show you any Black Lanterns. You just got to see, like, their hands from their perspective, and you got to see them fighting off the JSA. It's kind of like teasing you with where you're going to end up, but how are you going to get there? And then you turn the page, and you start to see, like, their lives are kind of falling apart now, and the instances at the bottom just get more desperate and more violent until you finally get their deaths, and then you turn the page and you see them as the villains. You know, I almost... I I wonder if it would have read a little more easily if the, like, um, the, the memory download panels were horizontal panels because if they had done it like that then you can just read like you know you could read the top panel on each page then go back and read the you know the middle page you know, panel on you know each page and such and such then you don't have the contrast with the present day stuff because like all the memory stuff is going vertically and all the present day stuff is horizontal under it but what if you had like three horizontal panels and Keep the the, pre- the present day a vertical strip. Then I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> right now, okay. Because well, there, there was completely divert- there wasn't enough. <laughs> no, this is important. Oh boy. There wasn't enough. There wasn't enough present day stuff to warrant that much space. <laughs> so, I mean, like, like this is like you're looking at this like like you want to see. All right. This is the first panel, this is the next panel that follows it, this is the third panel that follows that, and it tells the story that way. And, like, that's not the point of what they were doing. Like, yeah. they didn't want to just give you the same kind of Black Lantern vision recap as, like, we've seen already. They just wanted to give you, like, a bunch of blips in these people's lives that all, like, thematically fit together so that by the time you get to the Rise page, you have, like, a good idea of who they are. And okay. how they got here. That, that's that's fine. Well, let's let's start talking about other stuff now. We've just been talking for like twenty minutes about the panel layout. Yeah, well, you know, Johnny Quick's here. He's making math scary. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool scene. I like that. Oh, the the one one thing that I thought was was interesting was when uh, they're in the the headquarters, you know, wherever it may be, and you know, Mr. Terrific is looking at the bodies, and Wildcat is, you know, he's basically like, it's like, ah, uh, just a bunch of other stiffs, you know, we got to figure it out so we can, uh, you know, take all these people, basically saying, you know, whatever. And Power Girl is like, you know, it's like, listen, that's my cousin, you know, have a little respect. And, you know, it's like, show some, you know, and he's like, class, I'm at your feet, darling, you're so right, and I am so sorry. It's like... Well, first off, like, that's a great reaction. It's like he basically completely diffused the situation in, like, you know, two seconds by saying that. But the thing that I really like about it that I think is just, like, really interesting is the fact that in that panel where he says that, he looks exactly like Sylvester Stallone. Oh, does he? I I think so. I don't know. I don't pay attention to actors. Oh, well, it's interesting because Sylvester Stallone 
Rocky, you know, one of the biggest boxes of all time. <laughs> nice. Wildcat's like a boxing camp. Yeah, like I, I'm I'm reading through this and like, you know, like all of a sudden it's like, oh man, like I totally want Sylvester Stallone to play Wildcat in a movie. Are you hearing Wildcat talk with the Stallone voice? At that point, I was. Oh God. <laughs> I would get good at diffusing situations, too, if I kept pissing off Power Girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, is, uh, it was kind of throwaway, but is the Black Lantern that Magog and Alan are fighting, is that Grundy? I, n- I don't know. I can't remember what Grundy's Black Lantern costume looked like. I was wondering that, too, actually. I do like, the, this is, uh, this is actually a situation where it makes sense for the JSA to have Magog in it. It's like, okay, zombie apocalypse, why not? (laughs) (laughs) We'll take them. I think, uh, don't they put, um, yeah, they put, uh, I think it's Grundy in a box. I'm pretty sure it is Grundy, but, uh, a couple pages later, probably is. And talking about design again, the page where Johnny Quick shows up, I love how, like, the top half of the page is him zooming in from the right, and the bottom half of the page is Power Girl zooming out in the opposite direction. <laughs> so it's like a nice little, like, symmetry. That's, yeah. How about, like, the way that he's standing, uh, Johnny Quick? Yeah, that leg, like, his his right leg, our left, I guess, that's that's weird. That That's one of those I'm dead and don't have bones things. It's almost like he's running at super speed, like, you know, like a crab. <laughs> I Which, love that image. My- yeah, I mean, like when you, when you think of it like that, it makes it like infinitely more creepy. He's like he's running like Zoidberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I'm gonna call it right now. I think by the end of this series, we will see a Black Lantern Doctor Fate. Oh, we've got to. I think we even saw it in the Blackest Night issue, like the one where Alan tried to burn everybody and failed. So the okay the the cover of this issue, um, I believe this is uh, the Eddie Barrows cover. Yes, okay. The art on this cover is Eddie Barrows, and the colorist is Nay Rafino. Ah, uh, good old Nay. Yes, and it's a gorgeous cover. Now, I I sent you the the file of the variant cover. Oh really? Can I open that now? Yes. You got it. Huh. I like that. Yeah. Okay, now that is Jean Ha. Jean Ha artwork. Is she the one? Is it she? I think it's a he, but I'm not sure. And yes, it is. That's, that's the artist that did the uh, the Carol... Yes. Yeah, from Tales of the Court. Right. Star Sapphire, uh, the talking heads in the aeroplane. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see if you'd remember. But yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. Because at the time, like, you know, one of my biggest things was that, you know, it's Gene Ha. Like, he, he's a really good artist. So what the hell is he doing turning in that? And then you see, like, a cover like this, you know, comparatively, like, you know, this is brilliant. This is really, really good artwork. You know, the other stuff was just like, like, wait, what? And Gene Ha did the variant. Yes, yes. I don't know. I might actually like that better. I will, I'm gonna wait to reserve judgment until all three issues are out. 
So far, I like the Barrows cover. Definitely like that. Oh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I think, like, the Barrows cover, like, does a little too much to try and, like, gore it up a little, you know? <laughs> yeah. Can't really disagree with that. So, Mr. Fantastic... Oh, was it? No, Mr. Terrific is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. Terrific is looking for a way to defeat the, uh, the Black Lantern, you know, Black Lanterns flying around. So he's looking at how to, you know, take out these Black Lanterns. And, okay, so he's the third smartest person in the DC Universe. Didn't Flash, like, let everybody know already that, you know, you have to hit it with, uh, with green light and, and another, you know, light? He was also encouraging everybody with light powers to get out there and shine as bright as you can, which I guess could have just been inspirational talk, but... I, once again, I hope it doesn't work just cause, but just like with the docs thing in Rebels, like, like the really smart people should be trying this. You know, they should fail, but they should try it. It makes sense <laughs> for them to do that. <laughs> well, it's like, after inspecting, you know, the, the pieces of these, these characters, you know, Mr. Terrific is like, you know, I need to create a light energy of our own. Something that, gee, I need Green Lantern, Lightning, and Stargirl. Bring them in. And Dr. Fate, if we're going to win, you have to find Kent Nelson. You know, it's like, well, you know, that's basically what, what you know, Flash was uh, announcing to everybody. And, and yeah, and they would definitely already know that because, you know, Flash was spreading the word, like, wasn't he spreading, he was spreading the word before they had hit 100%. Yeah. And... Since damage is a Black Lantern in this, then they've already hit 100%. You know, so basically Flash went, Flash went around and let, let everybody know that you need light. You know, you need light sources to, you know, shine and, you know, to do that. And basically Mr. Terrific is like, oh, looking through my microscope, I can see that we need to create a light energy of our own. Something that shines. You know, it's like, <laughs> you just said exactly what Flash said, only you said it while looking through a microscope. That doesn't give you more credibility. I don't know, it's an, it's an awful nice microscope. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, speaking of, speaking of Dr. Fate, like, didn't we just read a story that told us Kent Nelson is dead? That's good timing right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is the last possible minute we can put out this issue before we bring him back to life. Go! <laughs> well, as if they bring him back to life. Well, I think that's... This is Kent Nelson, like, walking around. Well... Wait, you mean, like, the current Doctor Fate? Yeah. Um... In the Brave and the Bold issue, the whole deal was, like, he was dead, and, like, what's he gonna do about it? And he end up saying dead. And in this, they're like, you gotta go find Kent Nelson. And then Jay and Kent walk through the door. Hey, here he is. I thought it was a different, uh, Dr. Fate. Oh, now I have to check. I'm gonna check. Go to the page where Jay and him walk through the air. I will... Well, it's definitely Kent Nelson in this book. But I think it was a different one. In, uh... Oh, in Brave and the Bold? Yeah. No... We shall see. And if you are correct, then I will eat my words. Well, you're right. 
<laughs> Wait, when did Kent Nelson come back to life? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and wait, and who's the Doctor Fate that's going to be coming back? Maybe also Kent Nelson. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. I, um... <laughs> okay, my mind has just been blown. I don't think there's anything else I can add to this issue review. Cool. Um, let me just make sure I don't think I have anything else. <laughs> That's it. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a break. off by letting everybody know that the Smallville two-hour JSA-focused TV movie episode is coming very, very soon. It's going to be here February 5th. So this is it was an episode written by Jeff Johns. So mark your calendars, February 5th. Even if you have not been watching Smallville, you might want to check it out for possible... Well, actually, definite Green Lantern, you know, appearance from Alan Scott. Yeah, we saw his uh, his ring in the uh, little trailer online, and there somebody posted a picture, like a screen cap from the episode where you see like his battery by a windowsill, and it's they're using the DC Direct battery, so it looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like between this and Big Bang Theory, the batteries are going to be the most popular thing about Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah. How awesome is it, though, that, like, all they have to do to get, like, battery props for this stuff is to just go and get the DC Direct thing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's got to be pretty convenient for them. It's like, finally, we're waiting for you guys to do something with this. Come on. <laughs> um, so, uh, you got some news? Uh, yeah, they're doing, um, in April... They're coming out with a director's cut issue of Blackest Night, which, you know, I I don't really, from the solicitation, know what is in it, but uh, one of our forum members, Earth G. Billy, kind of shed some light on it through his own experience with, like, I, th- I guess Wizard did one of these for um, for Kingdom Come, where, so, like, we're expecting it to be a, um, well, first of all, it's 80 pages. We're expecting it to be, like, like, He'll jump around to different scenes and different panels and just, like, with, like, annotations on them and lots of text pieces about, you know, the creators and the creative process and, like, um, concept sketches and things that didn't, like, like brief pages that didn't make the cut originally, got left out, that kind of thing. And it's uh, it's featuring contributions from Jeff Johns, Evan Hayes, Doug Monkey. Joe Prado, Peter J. Tomasi, Patrick Gleason, and others. And 
It's five ninety nine. Now, do you think others is referring to Ivan Reese as well? No. They decided not to tap him because why would you need Ivan Reese when you have Evan Hayes? Who's clearly a better artist. <laughs> you gonna get this, Dan? I I think I'm going to pass. Like this is one of those where if someone, probably you, gets it and tells me it's worth it, I might look for it later. But <laughs> it's like uh, I I don't know. Like like it bothers me. I don't like like should I just read the blurb? Because all right, I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna read the blurb. And this is from DC Solicitations. So uh, prepare for the ultimate behind-the-scenes experience from the event of the century. With the creative minds behind Blackest Night as your guide, you'll marvel at the hidden Easter eggs and meanings throughout the series on in the in our director's commentary section. Discover shocking scenes that were left on the cutting room floor, including actual script pages that were never drawn. Be astonished and uh, be astonished at incredible, never-before-seen designs from the best-selling event, plus many more exclusives that you'll witness within this mammoth special including an early look into brightest day which all right my confusion came from the fact that like as i understand it director commentary issues tend to just reprint an entire issue but have annotations thrown in there so when i'm i'm looking at this i'm like okay they're doing this for blackest night and it's 80 pages my thoughts immediately became well are they just going to like jump around a lot because they can't really reprint, like, they can't reprint entire issues or entire scenes or anything, so, like, how much... Like, like would this even really be worth it kind of thing as a reading experience, not even thinking about the money? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll... I, I almost can't pass this up. Only because, like, you know, from the you know stuff that's cut out, even just to get, you know, a list of Easter eggs to compare notes, basically, to see if I, you know spotted all or most of the Easter eggs. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think there's definitely going to be some some things that I, you know, I, I know that I'll get something out of this. I know that I'll get something out. I don't know that I'm going to get $6 worth out of this. You know, that's, that is kind of pricey. You know, from, from my experience, the only director's cut that I've seen DC do is the Blackest Night Zero, which was included in the, uh, Tales of the Core, Blackest Black Night Tales of the Core, issue three. And that was horrible. That was terrible. Yeah. yeah that was that was horrible. But there was nothing in there that was, you know, you know, cut out information. They weren't talking about any Easter eggs. They were basically like, you know, having a conversation and patting themselves on the back on how they, you know, how much they loved what they did. Which is like completely useless. Gee, Jeff, how'd you think of this? Well, it came to me while I was writing JSA. You should go read it. Yes, I should. <laughs> yes, like that was a good book and can be yours for three ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. Um. But from from Marvel, Marvel's done quite a few, you know, director's cuts, and like you said, it's the issue. You know, it's got annotations here and there, and it has like the full script in the back. You know, it's not. It's not amazing, but you know it's for like it, it, they only charge you like a dollar more. So, you know, for all the annotations mm. and for the you know the scripts, it's not really a bad deal when Marvel does it. So we'll see. 
I almost feel like I'd be paying six bucks to get what we've been doing for free already. <laughs> I hope not. But yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure DCBS will have this discounted, and if it's like a dollar or so, then maybe I'll get it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be ordering this through DCBS. If you think about it, they, if they marketed it as like Blackest Night Director's Cut Number One, then it'll be like seventy-five cents or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they market it as Blackest Night Director's Cut number one, and it's 80 pages, and then they do the same thing for all the other Blackest Night issues, then I'd probably buy it, because that's a lot of extra material, and I would probably be interested in reading that much extra material. Yeah, true, I guess. Actually, no, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, last week... They, uh, they came out with a couple of uh, comic issues that I picked up. Um, the first of which was Rebels number 12. This is a, you know, a direct continuation of the Blackest Night tie-in from issue 11. And, you know, the story basically talks about, you know, what happens with, uh, you know, what happens to Starro on uh, the planet Maltus and the Black Lanterns that were, you know, trying to defeat them. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of wrap up the, the Black Lantern story, you know, fairly quickly in the beginning, like within the first three or four pages. But, um, it's pretty interesting. You know, it's not a bad issue. Maybe a little bit better than some of the Blackest Night issues. So. You know, without telling me how the Starro thing ends, because, like, I am getting the first trade and I might want to go ahead with the series. Do they still do. Like, all of those little, like, character identification boxes all over every page? Um, not really all over every page, but there are some here and there. Is it like every time a character shows up for the first time kind of thing? Um, you know, I think they have it mainly for, like, the main characters, just here and there. Um... Like, for instance, they have, uh, you know the the Omega Men and they have like one for the you know all the Omega Men and it's not all their names it's just you know the group the Omega Men. Okay, that was my big fear about the book. I don't I don't think that's a bad thing. Oh, you know, but I mean it's 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 the kind of thing like if they do it too much in every single issue it would just get annoying. But I I definitely see the need for it like like this is the whole like do they really need to be recapping Booster Gold's origin again kind of argument cuz like these are characters not everybody's going to know if they just randomly try out an issue. Right. Yeah, well there's there's so many characters in Rebels and they're all they all have like different alien looks. It is hard to keep track of them sometimes. So for that, you know, and also it's not like it's not obtrusive. You know, it's a tiny little box. You can either read it or not read it. You know it's always going to be basically the same information. It's just there giving you a little reminder. Um, and speaking of Booster Gold, I also picked that up. You know, Booster Gold number 28, continuation of uh, 27. This actually has nothing to do with uh, Blackest Night at all. Um, so if you were worried if there was a continuation of some sort, there isn't at all. What I will say, though, is that the Blue Beetle story in this is much better than some of the, the previous ones. It's actually like a story this time. Nice. It, it starts out the whole Coast City, you know, story, 
so that's pretty interesting. Uh, and I, I'm not going to give anything away, but I think this issue may be like taking steps to introduce a new Wave Rider character, and that's all I'll say. It's going to be like his sister or something. Mm, no. You have to think about that. Anyway. Okay, so we got one last thing to talk about now. Okay, so by the time this episode comes out, the 25th of January. So that's like three weeks away from Valentine's Day, basically. February 14th, Valentine's Day. In honor of Valentine's Day, the Lantern cast wants to show our listeners how much we love them. (laughs) You, You like that, Dan? Not especially, but go on. (laughs) We are going to show you how much we love you by having a contest. And this contest is the Aroba Silver Valentine's Day Ring Giveaway. Yes, that's right. We are going to be giving away an Aroba Silver ring. Aroba Silver, our amazing sponsors, have provided us with one ring that, you know, if you win this contest, you get to pick the ring, you know. Pick a Green Lantern ring because it's the Lantern caps, and, <laughs> well, <laughs> and you, that's it. You don't have to pick a Green Lantern ring. You can no, no. I'm saying right now they have to pick Green Lantern rings. If if you if you're listening to the Lantern cast, <laughs> if you don't pick a Lantern ring, then I'm gonna be disappointed. I have to say, I'm gonna be disappointed. Okay, so you're wondering. Wow, you know, this is a great, you know, great prize. What what do they want us to do to win this prize? And the answer is simple. All you have to do is compose a completely original song with Green Lantern words and it has to hit the top 20 charts on the Billboard Awards. Dan? Yeah, no, I'm here. <laughs> You didn't give me anything there. <laughs> I I feel I gave you equal to what you gave me. Uh, okay, no, you don't actually have to write a song. In order to win this contest, all you have God. to do is send one email to us. Basically, like, send us a paragraph where there was one time where you displayed one of the emotions of the emotional spectrum whether it be, like, a time where you showed great willpower, maybe there was a time where you demonstrated great fear or you inspired great fear. Um, Maybe there was a story where somebody died and came back to life. I don't know. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) like, was was there a time in your life where, you know, greed got the best of you and you just made the wrong decision or were you just there for somebody? Like to show compassion or whatever. Um, when you send us these, make sure that they're things that, you know, we can put on the show. Like, we don't want to hear anything graphic for Violet. We <laughs> don't, we don't want, we don't want, we don't want to hear like, like, hey guys, for death, let me confess to killing this family of three <laughs> or something like that. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we don't want that. And, you know, we, we'd like it to be true. Let it be a true story. Um, yeah. 
we're we're gonna we're gonna read some of our favorite ones, you know, on the air, and uh, the one that we like the best, the one that you know displays the best emotion, you know, through through the best story, is going to win their choice of Aroba Silver Silver Ring. Should we open this up to voicemails too? Oh yes, yeah, that's right. Definitely, definitely. If you decide that you, you know, you're not so good with writing, but you want to, you know, call us and let us know, then our voicemail number is 206-600-7357. Now, here is the important thing. This is very, very important. If you do leave us a voicemail, you have to leave your name very, very clearly. We have to be able to know what your name is. And hopefully some sort of identifying, you know, information like your email address, which we can edit out, you know, when we play it on the show, you know, maybe say it at the end or we'll have to bleep it through the middle, which would be funny, too. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) so... Why is he swearing? Yeah, that's a lot of swears. That's a large string of swears. So, yeah, make sure that we can understand your name. Make sure that we can, you know, hear your your email address so that we can contact you if you do win. But, uh, yeah, please, voicemails, emails, you know, let us know. Don't don't post these on the forums or on the, the Facebook, you know, that way, you know, we don't have any problems where he has the same story as me. We don't, we don't want any of that. And this prize kicks ass, so start participating, damn it. Yeah, really. I mean, we've been talking about this for, you know, we've been talking about Aroba Silver for weeks now. So you know how much we love Aroba Silver, and we actually get to give away a Green Lantern ring. Or, you know, as as Dan likes to say, you know, any Aroba Silver ring. But Yeah, uh, one of those crummy other ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, seriously, like every every – Freaking week, we come up here telling you, like, oh, hey, you punch in this code and you get 10% off. You can get all percent off now. Just, like, <laughs> just do Just participate. You never know. Come on. Yeah. Do got, it. Got to try it. Definitely worth a try. And you win a ring. You win a silver ring. You go to a convention, people are going to be like, dude, where'd you get that? And you'll be like, I won this in a contest on the Lantern cast. And they're going to be like, you're a liar. That's where the story ends. It's very depressing. Yes, yes, but you'll still have the ring, and you'll be happy. So the voicemail line is 206-600-7357. Our email address, lanterncast at gmail.com. Did we say that the deadline for submissions is the... We should probably make the deadline for submissions the 13th. That way we can announce it. On, we'll, we'll announce it on the uh, the 14th on the forums. We'll email that person to let them know. And then whichever episode happens to come out that particular week, we'll, uh, we'll add something on at the end and let everybody know who, uh, who won and what their winning entry was. So there you go. February 13th is the deadline, people. Yes. Midnight. Was it Greenwich Military Time? Or Greenwich Mean Time? GMT? I don't think you pronounce it Greenwich, but... Greenwich? I don't know. Whatever. The GMT. The 12 o'clock for the world. That's that's when. (laughs) All right. Yes. Okay.
So, I don't think we have anything else, Dan. No, I think that's it for this week, which is awesome. <laughs> Definitely. So, we already gave him the voicemail number. We gave him the email address. We have a website at lanterncast.com. And from there, you can click on our Facebook links, our forum link, or you could go to... No, you don't know the address. I do. You, you say it. It's don't even comic, look it up. Don't even look it up. Thecomicforums.com. And scroll on down to LanternCast. You're happy? reading it off something. Are you happy? No, no. I'm not reading no, it off cause, anything. No, because you're reading off something. Yes, you are. I'm reading it off a teleprompter. We don't even I know, you're sitting in front of a screen. We don't even have money for a mixer, but I'm reading it off a teleprompter. You have a computer in front of you. Who who says I have a computer in front of me? You better. We're doing this on the internet. I'm just calling you right now on my phone. Well, then we have a problem because I haven't been recording this. <laughs> I've been imagining that this was an entire episode. You're not even real. Okay. Um, if you want to contact us individually, it's uh, either Jim, Dan, or Jason at LanternCast.com. We have, uh, we're on iTunes, you can go there, you can leave us a review, that would be totally awesome, if you did, we appreciate all the ones that we get. We appreciate all of the voicemails that we get, even if they're not contest entries, people that just want to call up and be like, hey LanternCast, you guys are awesome, bye, but leave your name also so that we know who you are, so that way we can think that you're awesome too. Oh, sorry, I was reading Girls with Slingshots. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we're going to be at the CGS Super Show at the end of March. Go to uh, what is it, comicgeekspeak.com and click on the Super Show link, and there's details and stuff there. Come see us. It's in Reading, Pennsylvania, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, should we tell them about what Jason's doing? Uh, we'll have him on next time, and we'll, we'll announce it then. I was going to say, do you know what Jason is doing? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we'll have Jason on next week and talk to him about it. Oh, my God. All right. Good, oh. good night, everybody. <laughs> so long, everyone. We will be back in a week. And don't forget, February 13th. Get your entries in. Good night. Why'd you ever have to